Previously on Story Jazz, Fourth Life. We open three years earlier. This is a world where anything is possible. So I can be the peanut butter and jelly sandwich? My name's Frank, I'd be happy to help you. Someone kicks in the door. Do you have to do that every time you enter a room? Cincinnati? <laughs> what kind of name is Cincinnati? And Graham says, I actually saw an interesting quest the other day that I haven't tried yet. Battle the Void Slime. Void Slime, huh? With a... <laughs> the Void Slime bursts. They see that the pattern that it has left behind is this fractal shape. And Buzzy realizes that the thing that the Void Slime erased was Cincinnati's character. How do you know Cincinnati? Cincinnati and I go way back. We used to play WoW with a, with a horde queen named Gremlin. I think some introductions are in order. I want I want a nice cold open to bring us in. The, where we left off was Buzzy saying, some introductions are in order. There's somebody I need you to meet. Yes. Implying that Graham was going to jump into the mix. Yes. The only people who haven't met Graham then are... Webby and Viola. Webby slash Webbington. What is her, what is her name? <laughs> Webbington. I think her name is Webby Webbington. I, I guess so. Um, but the stop's name is Webbington's, so it's Webbington on some level. Yeah, it's true. And Viola, right? Neither of them have met Graham, where Frank has and obviously buzzy has <laughs> so i think it like a cold open of them at a defrag together did they meet at a defrag yeah i suppose so i don't know it just just as a like a i don't know this is like a, a beach party episode or something <laughs> you want to do a beach party episode now we gotta get to the third act my guy I, not a, not a whole not a whole episode but you know i want a nice meeting either that or we cut the meeting entirely and we jump right in Right, and then we assume introductions were given. I think we we should probably jump right in because otherwise it's just like, oh, hey, you're Graham from back on Third Life. Oh yeah, hey, you're Frank. Whatever happened to you? <laughs> we fade from black. Um, our usual cast of characters: Frank, a house embodying the stove, the flaming old colonial style stove in the basement. Viola. A Jinko jeans do- adorned goth long neck <laughs> girlfriend or girlfriend to be perhaps potential hopeful flamingo Webbington, also known as Webby, our semi-robotic anthropomorphic spider whose adorableness is unparalleled, <laughs> and then our 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 lead man Buzzy, uh, an eleven-year-old who. Hopes to make it big as a detective in Fourth Life. We're joined by a new character. Not even a new character. We're joined by... <laughs> we're joined by Grem, Buzzy's sister, who hasn't made an appearance here in Fourth Life, but we know that she's familiar with virtual worlds, having given Buzzy his first introduction. The group is gathered around a table, except for Frank, who's standing, sitting, perched in a corner... In, in his fiery flame shape, right? In his fiery flame shape. He's flickering in the corner. They're giving Graham a rundown of what happened, and she's listening very intently. She hasn't said much. And then she pipes up, and she says, Did you design this all, Frank? 
when you set up the dog law server? What do you mean? The house? Or the dogs? Or the whole city? Well, I remember when when Third Life was sort of petering out and there there wasn't enough to keep it going. You set up the dog law server as one of the first on the new iteration for Fourth Life. And I figured you'd, I don't know, mess around, make some quests, and then move on like you usually do. But you're still here. How much of this... How much of this is you? And she gestures to the wide array of blueprints and city planning and the the marked bourgeois households. And she looks back at him and says, how long have you been planning this? Frank's flame flickers a little lower. And Viola turns to him and says, wait a minute. Frank, you were involved in the creation of Dog Law? Well... Yes, it is a shame of mine, perhaps, to be complicit in much of what's happening. It's why I feel so responsible. But it's been a long time since I've been involved in the programming or organization of any of the administration here. I mean, Viola, Webbington, you've both known I've had the power to delete sprites and control parts of the space you must have known. But if if your goal was to stop this this authoritative police state in this virtual space, why didn't you act using your powers? Why why do you confine yourself to this house? I think you've answered the question yourself. And the flame in in Frank's sort of old colonial stove wisps and thins out as it starts to separate from the stove, and it goes to a very small ball, stretching a long, thin line, and then the line snaps, and the ball falls, and it splats on the ground. And then it starts to congeal and rise into a character that's only familiar to Buzzy and Grem, a short, stocky, purple-haired dwarf with a, a half-mug of ale hidden in, a, in, in his <laughs> sort of spiky dew. I love that pocket ale. <laughs> I didn't even notice that until I edited the last episode. <laughs> he he looks at the group in this new form and says, well, guys, <laughs> there's no way to fix an authoritative uh, police state by using the power that I have to just force it. That would be me becoming the next piece of the police state. If, if the people of this dog law server wanted to have an administration full of strict rules, forcibly removing them is just as authoritative. I thought that it would be best to let the people decide, and maybe I was wrong, but I don't think it was wrong of me not to just force my rule upon them. Graham says, that sounds noble, if ineffective. Also, what just happened to your voice there, buddy? He just does that sometimes, Buzzy says. He just changes voices. I, uh... Quiet! He, I... Sorry. Please don't delete me. I think it's important for us to pursue this in the name of truth. That our investigation into the transfer of money within the dog law server 
the reason we have access is because of my access. But if we simply force our will upon them, they will find a new place to do what they've been doing. But if we can expose them to the whole server, to the world, we can maybe bring them to justice. Yes, says Viola. Fourth Life, like most of the Internet 3.0, as it is called, is blockchain-based, which means if we want to make root-level changes to the way that these uh, servers organized and it works, uh, if we want to change it from an authoritative police state into a more liberal, uh, free, uh, maybe a little more wild uh, place, uh, the only way to do that is to ensure that more than 50% of the people on the server vote the old system out. And the way to do that, says Webby, is to expose the corruption in the current authorities. This this sounds great, guys. Buzzy, you look like you've been doing a, a great job with this. But you you told me that you saw you saw the fractal from back then again now. Where does that fit in? Is that also a, a ploy by the by the which the bourgeoisie you're calling them? Buzzy has his handcuffed hands up in front of his face and is like chewing the the fingernails and goes, "Guys, I um I'm a little on the fence about this. Uh, I've sort of worked the past couple years to rise in the ranks of the police authorities on this dog law server and chief, 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 and XX lol hot XX69. <laughs> Is that how you say his name? I don't remember. <laughs> lol hot and chief, chief, chief have been my my idols, and I think they're really trying to build something here. How how? Where does this idea come from that that they're corrupt? I mean, I know, Buzzy. I know, it is it is not so, it is not so simple. I do not know, Chief Chief Chief, or Lolhut Soixante-neuf personally. Why do you got to be so funny when I take a drink? <laughs> I do not know them personally, and I believe, and Frank does as well, that if the people. They want a, a a server with strict rules and and a police administration. Then they may have one, but our concern is that the people who live and work in in first life in dog law, they don't know what it is that is happening, where their money is going. There is a difference between being a willing participant, a part of a system that you are truly truly contributing to and being taken advantage of. And that difference is what we are trying to uncover here. Does that make sense? Of course, I'm, I'm with you there. I just, I want to keep, keep following this rabbit hole and find out if it leads somewhere. But I really hope it doesn't. <laughs> I, I think you can understand that. Graham, who is significantly shorter than Buzzy in this virtual space, reaches up and puts a semi-scaly finger on his shoulder. She doesn't want his a dream to be let down either. She's glad that he found home in this space. Well, if you want to continue this mysterious investigation, you're not going to get very far sitting around in my belly, are you? Frank's right. I think we should all go back to work. We need to maintain our covers. Viola, Buzzy... 
you guys should go back to, to headquarters. Report back with what you found. Me and Frank will, will call in the dogs and get whatever information we have. And we'll meet back here in a few days. Grem? Gremlin? Techno Gremlin, was it? That's me. No one here knows who you are, right? Not really. I don't really hang out here. Maybe we can use that. Frank and I and, and you will, will come up with a plan. We might have, to, might have to get spicy with this one. So the group breaks up. Um, everybody goes back to their separate bases. Viola reports back to work. Buzzy and Grem take off their headsets and um, meet IRL for dinner, and it's about bedtime anyway. <laughs> and over dinner, Buzzy asks Grem, Do you know anything more about Cincinnati? Like, what happened to him? Where? Did you ever see him again after the void slime thing? I didn't, but he didn't show up uh, in third life again. And he didn't show up for any of the, of the clan meetings. And wow, either. You know, he left behind a, uh, a level 160 blood elf. Whatever happened to him, it must have been serious. I, I think it could have been something in real life. That happens, you know. Do you have any idea how we could get in touch with him? Find out what happened? It, it's so suspicious, right? It, that he disappeared right after that quest? I'll talk to some old friends. I mean, a lot of people who played WoW then still play now, and I'll talk to them. See if any of them knew him in real life or, or know any other games he plays. Maybe we can reach out. Okay. And then he, like, yawns. Uh, oh, gosh. All right. Yeah, I know, I know. I'll brush my teeth and hit the hay and ready for the next fun day. You look you look down, bud. What's up? I don't... I thought that <laughs> this place, Doglaw, would be a place where things would make sense and be orderly and and I would find my my spot you know, my job to do. And now apparently everything's way more complicated than I thought it was. You know, a spot just for you isn't something you find. It's something you make. You find something that isn't perfect, but maybe could be. And you do everything you can to make it that way. And with that, um, the two go to bed. And the days roll on by pretty much as they usually do. Buzzy goes to work uh, as in his beat cop position. Which is mostly patrols. He patrols around the center area of the server um, near the adventure center and uh, down the merchant's alley. He's never ventured into the slums before, but now that he walks down those streets, he can't help but look out over the cookie-cut squares of the slums and think, there must be so many people living in these in these houses. He can see from up top, from higher up. So like the, the center of town is like sort of on a hill. And then the slum area is a sprawling suburban checkerboard, almost like its own sort of checker space, a non-place that you get stuck in. But he's never been down there. And he completes his patrol route and returns to HQ and... um does his job, but he's filled with this unease of like, there might be something wrong. There might be something poisoning this 
police department that I've been so happy to be a part of for these past few years. Buzzy, Buzzy. He hears a familiar voice of the captain, that the guy who put him on the investigation in the first place, which feels like months ago, even though it was only a few days. Buzzy, hey. Hey, yes, captain. You just, uh, you finished your shift, right? You just finished it? Yeah. Can I book you for another half shift? I need somebody to go take care of something, and I need it kept under wraps. Okay, yeah, sure, anything. All right, come into my office. And the captain backs up and pulls a doorknob out of his pocket and sticks it into the wall and opens a door. Buzzy follows him, feeling a little uneasy, but he tells himself, ah, it's just, I'm just, I've just been nervous these past couple days. It's probably fine. Through the door is a teal office, um where like the desk is teal, the lampshade is teal, the two couches in front of the desk are teal, uh, you know, rolly gaming chair behind the desk is teal. Uh, <laughs> even the paper and the pens are teal. It's, it's a little on the nose. The captain, who is a, uh, what, what does the captain look like? Long. He's, he's a long. He's long? Yeah, he's just long. <laughs> The captain, who's who's it's a long man, in, indescribably long, <laughs> slithers over the slithers desk. Over the desk, <laughs> he's not a snake. He just slithers as a person. Yeah, uh, yeah, he slithers over the desk and sits in the chair. Uh, Buzzy hesitantly sits in one of the couches across from the desk, and he arcs his neck and leans over the desk and says, "Buzzy, there have been few officers as." loyal and well let's just say faithful as you thank you that means a lot i've lost something and i need it back if you do this for me i can fast track you to detective say a week or two we'll get you in a we'll get you a detective badge we'll get you through training but all the detective slots are full is is somebody leaving i've gotten word that We'll be losing a detective pretty soon here. There'll be a spot open for you. If you can keep this between us. Buzzy's heart is in his throat. He doesn't know. On the one hand, he's thinking, uh, this is everything I've ever wanted. Ah, there's probably no corruption scheme going on. We're probably fine. I'll, I'll be good. Hey, why was I even worried? Everything's going splendidly. And on the other hand, there's this tiny voice in the back of his head going, you're losing a detective? What if it's... What if it's Viola? She's junior detective, right? Buzzy, I need you to go down to the Market Street. Uh, yeah. And at the very last fountain, you'll take a right. You'll go into... We need a, we need a name for the yeah, slums yeah. that isn't the slums. The, 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 the blocks. You're going to take a right at the fountain at the end of the market. And you're going to go into the blocks. I'll give you a card access, so... So the gate will let you through. Oh, all right. Don't go into any of the blockhouses. Isn't that a... Wait, isn't that a steak restaurant? The block? Blockhouses. Blockhouse. Don't go into any of the blockhouses. <laughs> but what if I want a delicious steak? I need you to go through the block. And you're going to run a scanner for me. And when you pick up anything, anything alive, anything inhabited... By a, by a VR spec. I need you to call me immediately. Don't move. Don't, don't investigate. But I need you to call me. We'll send a crew there. 
We can't send a crew initially because we'll spook them. Wait, are you saying they're not meant to be inhabited? Do this for me, Buzzy, and you'll have detective in two weeks. Uh, all right, sure. Good. So wait, the job is to go into the the blocks and um run a scanner. Check if there's anybody anybody in a VR unit, basically any person in there. If you report to evidence, I'll have Agnes give you the scanner, which you will then return when the mission is over. Not a word of this to anyone. Not even Chief Chief Chief. Not even Chief Chief Chief? I mean, not that I could talk to him, but not even he gets to know. I will send a full report to Chief Chief Chief. Right, of course. I, sorry, yeah, that makes sense. I'll head down to Agnes right away. Shit, what was Agnes's voice? It was like, I don't know. It was like this. It was like this? It was like this. Something like that. Hi, you buzzy. No, I have no idea. Fuck. All right, you continue. I'm going to figure out what the fuck Agnes sound like. The captain gets up and plugs the uh, doorknob into another side of the of the room and opens the door straight into evidence. And Buzzy walks out the door and is in the evidence room. He turns around to the captain to say, thanks, but the door is already slammed and disappeared. Uh, Agnes is there behind the bars. Um, the little yellow um, caution hole in reality sign is still up and Buzzy approaches her. Hey, uh, you, you have something for me? Hey, Buzzy, you've come to lose another pair of hands. Shit, that's not at all what Agnes sounded like. I, oh, one second. I gotta, I gotta figure out what the fuck she sounded like. It's probably fine. Hey, uh, Buzzy, do you, uh, you here to get your hands back? Oh, yeah, that would be great, actually. Uh, one second. And she leans over and she opens a bin that says hands and, you know, filters through a bunch of, you know, weird, <laughs> just like three fingered gauntlety claws and, and, uh, you know, uh, a series of feet that are in the hands trays and he can't tell whether they've just been misplaced or whether some people have feet as their hands. <laughs> some, you know, anthropomorphized hooves that are kind of disconcerting. <laughs> hooves with thumbs. <laughs> hooves with thumbs. And she pulls out two hands, which he, he hasn't seen them in a while, but he forgot how cool these, these like plated gauntlets were that he just got right before. Oh, yeah. And he slips them back on. And his um, handcuffed hands just sort of drop to the ground like clunk, clunk, clunk. Uh, He pockets those because they belong to Viola. And then he leans over the counter and says, uh, Agnes, the captain said I can pick up a scanner here. And Agnes looks at him, sort of looks between his eyes. And she seems to like change in demeanor. And she nods. And she walks back. He watches her walk back a little ways into the evidence room. And she pulls out a box that's clearly from some investigation and she snips some virtue tape that's sealing it. And she opens the box and out of the evidence of this particular crime, you can't even see what crime it is. She pulls a spherical, uh, semi-translucent, gridded object. Oh. And she pulls it out and then she closes the box again and she seals it with a new piece of virtue tape. And she writes something on top. And then she pushes it back onto the shelf. And then she walks back to him. And she hands it to him. And she says, You have six hours, maybe. It needs to be back here before then. 
Uh, that's okay, I think. Thanks. Be careful, Buzzy. Be careful. How do I work this thing? Just rig it into your chest, and you (laughs) should see a, uh, a display over your VR set. And that display will show you, it, it will pierce all of the virtual objects and show you who is, who is embodied by a VR suited and who is not. <laughs> I love making you talk in this voice. <laughs> Can you explain that in greater detail, please? <laughs> God damn it. Once you plug it in, you will have a three-dimensional view. You'll be able to see through everyone and everything. And you'll be able to see a series. So just a wall hack, basically. Yes, but you'll be able to see uh, the uh, IP addresses of everybody and all of their computer data. So you'll be able to see if somebody is actually masquerading as, I don't know, a a house or or a car or a a purse. (laughs) And you'll be able to see all of the different VR units. This is very, very illegal. So don't get caught with it. I know you're a cop, but don't get caught with it. It's still evidence. Is it being tracked? Not for the next six hours, but but Buzzy. All right, thanks. Buzzy, be careful. I know the captain seems nice, but he's a dangerous man. Thanks, Agnes. Uh, I, I appreciate so, it. he's so, so long. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? I've noticed that too. How did he get so long? Sorry there, folks. I was just so into our theme song. I'm Softy. Oh my god, it's the best. To think that we found it in the YouTube library. I'm Sam, and you're listening to Story Jazz. The the shortest episode of Story Jazz so far. Don't be alarmed. We've been trying to just sort of condense the show a little bit because some of you have given feedback that... The episodes have been very long. Some of you want them to be longer, though. So. Don't worry. We absolutely fail to shorten them in future episodes, too. So <laughs> you're going to get a whole mix. They're between 50 minutes and one hour and 50 minutes right now. Yes. Well, this is just a you know bi-weekly reminder that uh, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Send us emails at storyjazzcast at gmail.com. Let us know what you think. Uh, like us. Um, if you please like don't us. report us. Only like us if you like, like us. us. <laughs> if you're like pity liking us, get the fuck out of here. Actually, I still want pity likes. Actually, yes, me too. That's we very much need need those. We love you. We love our friends. We're very excited to be sharing this with you. And we have kind of a a cool announcement. Um, Sam. Yeah. So we are releasing chapter four of Fourth Life next week. Um, we're sort of staggering, or what's the opposite of staggering? We're sort of speeding up the release uh, schedule a little bit this month just to sort of uh, catch up with this pre-production that we've done. Stagging doing? Do- no. Doering? Is that what you're saying? Doering? Staggering doering? Like staggering doering? Wow. Okay, maybe it's a bad joke. <laughs> but yeah, so next week we'll have the episode. For those of you who listen in the future, this is going to make no difference, but... Sometimes we'll speed up our releases a little bit if we're really excited about uh, a series or like Fourth Life ended up being four 
episodes long and we really hoped it would be three. Um, so we're going to try to give you a little bit more content, a little bit more bang for your buck for all of your bucks that you're spending. For your zero uh, bucks. Uh, for your, your time bucks. Time bucks are a real thing. Uh, we're, we're really appreciative of all the time that you've put into listening time to our bucks. Isn't time bucks the, the currency of that movie in time with Justin Timberlake? Maybe, but in this case, it's time does again. Oh um, my God. What an amazing callback. It's almost <laughs> like we're professional comedians. <laughs> I would never call myself that. So, uh, look forward to the up and coming release of fourth life chapter four next week on Thursday. And then a brand new story arc after that. Tell all your friends. We love you. We love you. Buzzy heads out into the city, you know, and uh, the teal sky of Doglaw of Lothal. Isn't it turquoise sky? Isn't it teal? Isn't teal and turquoise basically the same color? No, teal and turquoise is not the same color. Take it back. So he heads out underneath the, the teal coise sky Okay. And um, all right, walks down Merchant's Alley and feels really watched, and he feels the weight of even though it's a virtual object and doesn't have any weight, he feels the weight <laughs> of the scanner orb in his pocket. And at the fountain, he turns right toward a large gate, uh, above which hover the letters "the blocks," and the blocks are a part of town that was designed to hold a bunch of newcomers who dropped into the server more casually and um, just sort of hung out. And since a lot of people, when Doglaw sort of rose to prominence as one of the first really solid virtual like nations, a lot of people wanted to join the Doglaw servers. And uh, Lolhot's server in particular was very popular. And since a lot of people were dropping in and one of the first things you need as a player is like a residence, they started building a bunch of these block houses uh, in this area called the Blocks. And they were advertised as free. And most of them are empty now because people would just drop in, build a house, hang out for half an hour, decide the server wasn't for them, and then leave. And you couldn't just delete them because the idea was that people would stay. The houses aren't deleted because they want to entice people to come back. Right. Once you create something in this world, the idea is that it exists forever and it's yours forever. To delete it would be to delete the sort of fundamental rules of dog law as Frank designed them, which is this is a space for everyone. And that rule is one of those hard coded into the like constitutional rules of the server, which can only be changed by a full vote of all the people involved in the blockchain. So it's really tough for um, Lolhot to change some of the rules that Frank set up back in the day. Question being, why is Frank not involved in the government anymore? And why is he, is he hiding in that house? I guess we'll find out. In front of the gate stands a thick, muscly animal, animal human, anthropomorphic sort of uh, elephant-whale hybrid uh-huh. with these like big gullet in front, uh, these sort of... Uh, sperm whale teeth along with the sort of big ears. There's no trunk, but there's something eerily elephantesque about the <laughs> the stature and the hands, this sort of like the feet that with these toes, sort of knobby toes, the way that it sort of stands in front of the gate. And, and, and this, this character is the size of the gate themselves. They're wearing a, a police uniform similar to the one that, uh, that Buzzy wears. But 
size XXXXXXXXL. Yes. Where the, the police badge is and where there's usually the name of the, the officer's last name and a number reads... Paul. Casper. Casper. <laughs> Paul. K4, K45PER. K45PER. Casper. Can I do Casper's voice? Yeah, go for it. Do Casper's voice. Can I help you? <laughs> no. Can I help you? You've been looking at this gate, and it looks like uh, you're trying to get into the blocks. But I must tell you, unfortunately, the blocks are off limit. I know you're only allowed in if you're a new resident and if you've uh, gotten, you know, one of the promo passes. The captain said that I, I needed to do a quick survey. He said you would let me in. Casper looks at Buzzy and they uh, remove a clipboard from their pocket. And this clipboard is the size of Buzzy. What is the name? Uh, uh Buzzy. Yes, I can see the name. Uh, highlighted above your head. Of course, it is Buzzcut313. Well, you are on the list, but I have my eye on you. Do not think that I have not crushed people that have wronged me in the past. Anyway, enjoy the stay in the blocks. It is a very solemn and quiet place now, kind of like a tourist attraction, but there are no tourists. It's just empty. A historical monument, you could say, since we no longer uh, take in any free players. And uh, they turn around and push a big button on the side of the gate. This button is only for show. I am actually opening the gate through my menu, but I think it's nice when I push the button and it goes, push, and the gate goes, <laughs> slides open, like with a pleasant metal sound, like, psh. so wait, you mean like, psh, or like, psh. Okay, so more like, like if I had to write it out, it would be okay. like P S H, H H H H H. Yeah, but it would sound like it would sound like. Yeah, but more long, longer, because it takes a while to. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Buzzy, Buzzy nods and kind of half bows deferentially to this large uh, whale elephant hybrid, and and uh, Casper looks back at him, not not bending over, not acknowledging, but eyes sort of rotating and watching rotating weirdly like they're on the outside <laughs> of their head which makes Buzzy think how does the VR headset account for that like how does it send is it just direct neural feedback or like how what does that how does that even work but okay you can be anything in this world you can Buzzy walks through the gate and the gate uh, closes behind him leaving Casper alone watching him from the other side and the gate goes psh <laughs> Sorry, more like more like. <laughs> After walking through the first couple of houses that are set up, you know, one of them looks like the manor from the Adams family, almost picture perfect. One of them is uh, a sort of tiny ministerif. Wow, they're they're custom designed people's houses, but he hears nothing and he sees nothing. And as he moves on deeper, the Custom designed ones fall away for cheaper models and for the free models. And at some point, he has walked for a few blocks and he can't tell which direction he came from anymore unless he uses his compass just because everything looks the same in all directions. It just looks like 
the Midwest American suburbia nightmare, like the picket fence, white, gray, brown homes. A boomer dream. Figuring he's probably safe, he retrieves the illegally obtained piece of evidence. The scanner orb. Yeah, and he, and he holds it up to his chest. And with a... It sucks out of his hands and just implants itself in his chest. Uh, he feels the jolt. It, it, the jolt ripples through his VR, his haptic feedback. And he feels like almost attached to the chair for a second. As his whole VR set is now not tapped into his sprite, but tapped into the dog law server itself. His pupils dilate as his consciousness expands to look beyond walls. He now sees everything in a series of vectors and semi-transparent shades. Usually when you look at the world, everything's opaque, right? There's different texture maps on different things. Everything has textures, which then haptic feedback into your hands when you're playing. It, it looks like a lower detail version of real life for the most part. But now that he's wearing this scanner, everything is as if it was in, in the process of being created, right? He can see how walls were attached to one another. He can see, somehow he can see the order in which buildings were built. It's, it's a peek behind the curtain. And he can see miles in every direction, almost, seeing through everything. Including the list of players that have been here and the names of the players who own these empty homes in the blocks. And he starts walking through these rows and rows and rows of featureless homes and uh, waiting for the scanner to go off. But he starts to notice something that in addition to the list of people who have inhabited these homes and the list of people who have guest access and the friend codes next to all those guest accesses so we can see who can access these homes, there's another IP address on each home. And this one is floating separate from the rest. It's floating kind of in the middle of each house. And it's the same IP address as the owner's. There's nobody in there, but there's another IP access. And that one is glowing a little bit brighter, as if it's still in use. Eventually, he comes across a vector line in the ground that doesn't follow any of the materials that the ground is made out of, usually brick or stone. This is a vector path, a history path of a recently traveled character. His heartbeat picks up a little bit. He's on the trail. He peers after the trail, and he can tell that it's very recent. And if he follows this, he might find somebody. As he leans down and pulls out his uh, magnifying glass and pulls out his recorder, the thing that he always uses when he's on an investigation, he tells Viola what he's found. Viola, I'm... He takes his thumb off the button for a second and thinks because he's not supposed to tell anybody about this, but... Really, these recordings are just for him. Nobody's ever going to find them. So he presses the button again. Viola, I am in the blocks. I don't know if you've ever been out here. We we call it the slums sometimes, you know? It's not really so much of a slum. It's just dead. Empty. This is where the free players used to hang out before. Well, when we still had free players on the server. But, uh... 
yeah, there's, there's nothing going on here. It's kind of freaky. As he stands up, he's looking and watching the uh, swiveling path uh, of the most recently traveled player. He sees the echo underneath it of thousands, hundreds of thousands of players that traveled the roads before, but their lines are, are so faded. They're just metadata waiting to be cleaned up. I was sent to check if there was anybody in here, and I think I've actually found someone, so I'm going to go check that out. If this is my last message, you know what got me. Okay, I should probably be quiet now. Love you, Viola. Love you forever. Click. <laughs> Buzzy sets off slowly down the path, occasionally looking back and forth at the houses on either side, still the cookie-cutter blocks that he saw maybe half an hour ago, still with their little IP addresses glowing. He sees a dot in the distance on the left-hand side. As he gets closer, he can see a glowing figure of a, of a bat. It's not flapping, it's perched on something, and it's in one of the houses. The only thing in a house that he can see anywhere around him. He stops. There's someone here. And he was told that if there was someone here, he should notify the captain. But he's curious. Like, I mean, if this person has a pass and they're in their house, they're not breaking any rules, right? It, it shouldn't be wrong for them to be in their house. Maybe he'll just call, he'll just call the captain if it's somebody suspicious, right? His job was to find somebody suspicious, so... That's probably enough, right? He zooms in his vision a little bit, which is possible with the scanner orb, to um, examine the bat silhouette a little closer and um, sees their name and their IP address. And their name is HM Darkvision. Some kind of obscure Pokemon slash Dungeons and Dragons joke. <laughs> <laughs> and right next to their sprite is the list of names with access to the house. And at the very top is... HM Darkvision. Beneath both the sprite and the name of people who have access to the house is an IP address, and it's the same one. Buzzy immediately opens one of the eyes of his headset, which we've talked about before as possible, even though it is very disorienting, and like uses his right eye to just sort of jot down that IP address on a piece of paper. This doesn't seem illegal. This is an active player in their house. There's nothing suspicious about it other than the fact that there's nobody around for miles. Buzzy kicks on his skate shoes and decides to get closer. A little disoriented, he reaches for the orb to try to pull it out, but it seems affixed. It's like he can't pull it out right now. He just breathes deep. He gets close to the house and he retracts his skates and he steps onto the ground. It, it's really disorienting. It's like when he first started learning how to walk in a VR world, when you can't see the ground, when everything's transparent, it's, it's hard to remember how to walk, where to put your feet. You can't even see the curve because it's all just vectors and, and, and shading patterns. He steps up and he walks up to the front door. And right before he's about to knock, he sees the sprite turn its head like it, like it heard something. It doesn't run, but it looks like it's on alert. So he as friendly as he can, knocks at the door. Uh, hello? Uh, are you okay in there? He looks back up 
to try to see the bat through the wall and notices that it's gone. It must have logged out. Now that the bat's gone, he can't really report it to the captain anyway. Yeah. So he just opens the door. He knows that the door should be locked, but somehow when the scanner's on, he can just, he just walk through. has access. He reaches his hand through the transparent door and opens it from the other side. <laughs> yeah. Like he's got a, a phantom limb. <laughs> <laughs> he walks through the door and makes his way to the living room, to the, to the couch where the bat specter was, was standing. In the middle of the living room is a vectored box. It looks kind of like a TV. And he realizes that now that he's actually in one of the buildings, the glowing floating IP address is actually floating over the TV. And the TV seems on. He slowly approaches and looks at the uh, screen that is glowing black. It's on and it's glowing, but it's exuding darkness the way that it would usually exude light. And he carefully runs a finger over the surface and feels that static. He's not sure how the VR gloves, if their haptic feedback is even this sophisticated, but he feels the kind of static that he doesn't know, but that a kid of like his parents' generation would have known from touching an old CRT monitor that has been on for a while. He takes a deep breath and he grabs a hold of the scanner orb in his chest and with a finally manages to pull it free. His vision instantly returning to normal. It's like a lot, it's a lot to take in so much so that he closes his eyes, something that he, he knows he's not really supposed to do in VR because if he closes his eyes, he gets distorted between the reality and VR and that the gravity and VR and the haptic feedback is not attached to anything visual. And so it starts messing with his brain. So after he takes a quick breather, he opens his eyes again. The TV's still there in front of him, on but black. It looks like an old cathode ray TV, one that he's seen in some of his mom's old comics. He puts a hand on it, still feeling the sort of gentle, static thrum. It's processing something. It's, it's actively still working. Whatever IP address the, the, the bat was, the HM Darkvision, whatever, whoever that was, their computer's still running something. And it's still running it here in Fourth Life, in Dog Law. Oh, this is great. This is great. It's all coming together. Okay. All right, wait. Sam, where do we want to end this? I think we need one more scene at least. I think we need one more scene. And I think we need to call the captain in. I think we need more action um, because this episode has been a lot of thinking, talking, moving. Wait, what if the the captain goes? It just shows up. Like he could sense when the the, the, uh, scanner orbs stopped being used and he he sent people in. Sure. Buzzy steps back and looks around, half expecting to see the other houses through the walls, but he doesn't have the wall hack anymore. He, he, luckily, he left the house door open so he can just walk right out the house again. And he's out on the, on the street and he tries to put the scanner orb back into his chest, but it won't, it won't connect like it did the, the last time. It just goes, uh-uh, and it turns red for a second. The grid on it turns red for a second. It goes, uh-uh, uh-uh. And he wonders, 
why it's suddenly blocked. Was it only meant for one use? No matter. He runs around the, the surrounding houses and peeks through the windows and sees that all the other houses have the same sort of 80s CRT TVs in them. And all of them are running black. And the black light is oozing out of them onto into the these same cookie cutter living rooms that nobody has lived in for ages. It's like the TVs are shining light, but the light is shadow. Yeah. It's projecting blackness. Yeah. It's not projecting true black, but it's like the opposite of casting a shadow. When you shine a light on an object and it gets bright on one side and cast a shadow on the other, this these TVs are casting shadows and where leaving light yeah. on the other. And Buzzy runs around these houses, runs around these picket fences, and he can't get in them anymore because his scanner hack isn't working. And then suddenly he turns a corner and almost runs into a very long person <laughs> who stands in front of him and looks down upon him and says, so you found something, but you didn't report it? Uh, uh beh behind him stands a cross-armed quasi-elephant-whale hybrid and a series of nearly indistinguishable mechanical goons who he recognizes as the HQ security team. I'm sorry, it, it was gone so fast. Buzzy, I told you to do one thing and one thing only, and you failed to do... No, in fact, you invaded another player's personal home when I explicitly told you to stay right where you were. I thought it would be best to, to check if they were suspicious. You know, I didn't, I didn't mean to. That is an infraction of rule 652B. And you know that the punishment for that rule is sprite confinement and IP lockout. No, come on. I'm going to have to take your body. But I've been working on this server for like almost two years now. You can't just lock me out. I, this is where I earn money. The captain simply snaps his fingers and Buzzy's mouth is whoop, melded shut. Or his mouth just disappears. His mouth just disappears and just skin where it used to be. In the name of justice, we can't play favorites. Casper, would you be so kind to take our unfaithful employee into custody? Come along then. And Casper bends down to pick up Buzzy with one hand. And Buzzy wants to run. He, he wants to just ditch everything he run. He wants to rip off his headset, but he knows if he does, he, he'll lose access forever. Maybe if, he, maybe if he stays with it a little longer, maybe he can explain what's going on, explain what he saw. And Billiam, sitting in his home in Minneapolis, is flailing his arms wildly and shouting at these people to let him go. Buzzy, the avatar, has his arms pinned to his sides by Casper's giant elephant hand um, and is being carried through the air. So Buzzy goes for the more archaic method and starts hacking away at his keyboard, like opening one eye of the headset and typing in, in chat. You can't do this. And he goes into all chat and, and writes, Everybody, I'm in, I was sent to the blocks to investigate a thing for the captain and now they're... 
and he tr- types it all out and he wants to expose the whole thing. But as he looks at the screen again and sees what he's been typing, it's just the lyrics to... It's the lyrics to Rick Astley's Never Gonna Give You Up. <laughs> yeah, and as he hits enter, he looks up and he sees that his whole chat message is just never gonna give you up, never gonna let you down, never gonna run around and hurt you. And a bunch of annoyed emojis come back and chat and he, frustrated, he closes his headset again and then he just looks with pleading eyes at the captain and the captain shakes his head as if to say, I'm sorry, but you are in the wrong place at the wrong time. And then Buzzy's eyes widen as behind the captain a dark figure appears. A bat. Or a man-bat? Huge, leathery, black. And it swoops down and knocks the captain over with one fell swoop. <laughs> and the captain yelps and falls to the ground. And the, the bat circles around overhead. And Buzzy can see that it too has something lodged in its chest. But it's a different object, some, some sort of cube that has some weird patterns on it. And the bat is moving too quickly to really see. Uh, and Casper turns around and holds Buzzy down toward the ground and starts to swipe at the bat with one hand. But the bat just glitches through Casper's hand and cl- like dr- drives its feet into their face. And Casper... They go, yeah, what the heck? And like smash their own hand into their face and evidently knock off their own uh, uh, headset because their body glitches out completely and a little connection lost uh, symbol appears where they stood a moment ago. And Buzzy falls to the ground as as the hand of of his captor disappears. But Buzzy still can't move. You know, it's, it wasn't just the hand holding him. It was like a paralysis, par, par, paralysis uh, something, right? This black leathery bat swoops out of the air again, gripping Buzzy by the belt and begins to carry him off. The other cops that were around, you mentioned other cops, right? I'm pretty sure you did. Yeah. Um, draw yeah. their stasis rifles and try to blast the bat out of the sky and... One of them calls out to the captain, Hey, captain, can't you give us an aimbot for this? I mean, this guy's obviously hacking. <laughs> and the captain says, Yes, yes, wait a second. And he pu- punches. Wait, wait, I have an idea, actually. Yeah. He says, One moment. And he slithers back to a standing position. <laughs> uh, he coils back up to a standing position. And he looks like he's typing something into his gauntlet. Uh, and when he finishes and hits, presumably, the enter key, a vector shoots out of the end of his gauntlet and hits uh, directly in the middle of Buzzy's forehead, right where his vision is, right where the VR headset would be. And Buzzy, who's, who's looking back and, and trying to resist the paralysis, watches as his vision slowly begins to blur. And he turns his head to try to look up at his savior or captor or whatever. And the bat glances down at him with what, could be described as an animalistic smirk and all that Buzzy sees as he starts losing consciousness is the cube in the center of the bat's chest engraved upon which is the black fractal pattern the same one that we've been seeing for two episodes (laughs) and trying desperately to remember anything he can 
Buzzy's vision goes dark. And it stays dark. Until finally, he's dropped in the main menu of Fourth Life with an error message saying, you lost connection to the server. If you know people in the right places, they can get you long. I love that he's not described as anything but long. It's <laughs> great. I mean, I asked you what he was and you said long, so that's what he is. He's just long. How did he get so long? 